Our passage for the morning comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We'll be looking at the first 10 verses. Paul is in the midst of a section where he's sort of been forced to defend his, his ministry and his apostleship. He's apparently come under attack and some false things are being said about him and others are trying to steal attention away from him to gain it for themselves. We sort of join it as he's building to his conclusion. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from, beginning, from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Have you ever had an overwhelming experience that was just so powerful you've never forgotten it and it changed your life? And you're always willing and ready and excited to talk about it. Years ago, when I was a senior at Western Seminary, nearing graduation, I had two calls to two very different churches and I needed to make a decision as to which one I would go to and minister upon graduation. One was to a wonderful church here in Michigan, in the Grand Rapids area. I had worked there as a student for a year. It was a good church and at the time it was one of the fastest growing churches in our denomination. And what made it even more appealing was that Barb and I were are both from Michigan and our families were in the area. The other call was to a church in northwest Iowa. Good church. Strong, traditional church with a great history. In a rural area with which neither Barb nor I were familiar, rural life was not our lifestyle. We didn't know anybody there except one person who I had met in college. The decision seemed like a no-brainer. We all knew what I was going to do. 
But for some reason, I was having difficulty making the decision. But it finally came down to the night when I had to make the decision because I needed to let the two churches know the next day of my decision. Barb was a nurse, and she was working the evening shift. She went to work. I soon put our infant son to bed and sat down in our recliner and began to write a letter to the church in Grand Rapids saying how happy I was to come. Except my hand couldn't write. There were no words. Frustrated, I leaned back in the recliner and began to pray, and I woke up a few minutes later. Tears streaming down my face, my handwriting a letter of acceptance to the church in Iowa. It was a powerful moment that still gives me goosebumps as I speak about it. It always served as a reminder to me that God would be with me in my calling as a pastor. I share all of that because I think it gives me a sense of identification with Paul. He had a life-changing, apostleship-affirming experience. He had entered his adult life as a zealous Jew, one of the top dogs in the Jewish tradition. He saw his life's mission as getting rid of Christians, even if it meant killing them. And then he met Jesus. And his life changed forever. And he became God's greatest missionary and church planter. He was saved by and lived in grace. We love grace, don't we? We talk about it. We sing about it all the time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. My, my chains are gone. I've been set free. Marvelous grace, wonderful grace. On and on we go. But are you aware that there's also such a thing called awful grace? It's a grace that comes to us only when we're going through tough times. A grace that is given to us only if we accept our tough times. And so it's not really a grace we want to have because to have it means we're going to have some tough times. To explore, to explore what I mean, let's take a look at, at Paul's experience of awful grace. Back again to verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. He heard inexpressible things, things that, that man is not permitted to tell. Paul said he was taken up into the very presence of God himself. The experience was so overwhelming that he has trouble even putting it into words. He wasn't fully aware of what happened, but, but he knew very well it had happened. So certainly, if anyone had a reason to boast, it would be Paul. I mean, how many of us have made a trip like that? And yet, he didn't boast. Why not? Because, he says, God balanced the glory with a thorn. To keep me from being conceited because of these great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Paul's thorn was apparently more than just a little pricker. It was like a tent stake that had been pounded into the ground. We don't know what the thorn was. There's been a lot of, of speculation, but we don't know, and I don't think it really matters. I believe that that's part of God's desire. 
Rather than to fully define what the thorn was, so only those who had a similar thorn would, would listen to his words, God left it undefined. Paul did not say what it was. He left it unknown so we could all identify our own thorns and hear what God had to say through Paul. What matters is the purpose of the thorn. And knowing Paul's reaction to the thorn is critical for us. Far more important than knowing the substance of his thorn. God does not always send glorious blessings of joyful experiences. He sometimes wants us to experience the pain of the thorn. Thorns, in fact, are often the Siamese twins of glorious blessings and joyful experiences. Have you ever had such a thorn? Such a hindrance? One of my thorns hit me in the early 1980s while I was serving here in Kalamazoo. I developed a heart rhythm problem that is still part of my life yet today. And when it first struck me, it hindered me. It slowed me down. It made ministry and life difficult. And I, I was certain I could be much more effective without it. But there it was. I had to deal with it. What about your thorn? What's been driven into your life that just seems like it's never going to go away? What is it that brings pain and discomfort that limits your work or ministry or that weakens everything you try to say and do? Perhaps it's a critical surgery, an ongoing illness, loss of employment or income, the lifelong crippling of a loved one, or terminal diagnosis. What is your thorn? And what do we do with those thorns? Paul shared what he did, verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He responded with prayer. Now the three is more likely to be symbolic than literal, though we don't know for sure. It may refer to three different seasons of prayer. It, it may refer to unceasing or frequent prayer. What's important is it implies intensity, like Jesus praying three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I can identify with that. I think of all the prayers that, that I prayed, all the conversations I had with God throughout the years with my heart issue. And praying is a good thing to do, is it not? And thorns move us to pray. They force us to focus on God. One pastor put it this way, thorns invite us into God's private office for personal conferences. And God always shuts the door behind us so the ruckus of the world will leave us alone. <laughs> you ever been called to the principal's office? You don't have to raise your hand, but you ever been called to the principal's office or the boss's office and you walk in and he says, please close the door behind you? Oof, been there, done that, right? Yeah. It's like God sometimes gives us a thorn and he says, come on in and close the door behind you. It's time to spend some time together. There's something I want to say. 
So what did Paul learn in that office conversation with God? He learned that God has a thorny purpose. Verse 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. God planned to glorify himself through Paul's thorn. In other words, thorns are envelopes from God containing love letters from him to us. I think the problem is, however, sometimes we spend so much time looking at the envelope that we miss the letter that's inside. Every day I get three or four pieces of fundraising mail or political mail, and some of the envelopes are just filled with all kinds of advertising on the outside, and I take one look at it and say, who wants to read it? And I dump it. And I think we do the same thing with the envelope sometimes from God. And we fail to read the letter. Be aware that God never sends an empty envelope. But that inside is not only a love letter, but are revelations of his purposes for our thorns. Paul read the letter. And he learned some things. He learned the purpose of thorns. One purpose of thorns is to increase our love for God and for his grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Singular. His grace for Paul is different than his grace for me, which is different than his grace for you. It's personal for you, for your thorn. I like how one poet penned it. If all my days were sunny, could I say, in his fair land he wipes all tears away? If I were never weary... Could I keep close to my heart? He gives his loved ones sleep. Were no graves mine, might I not come to deem that life eternal is but a baseless dream? My winter and my tears and weariness, even my graves, may be his way to bless. I call them ills, yet that can surely be nothing but love that shows my Lord to me. Thorns increase our love for God and His grace. Second purpose of thorns is that they provide an opportunity for God to increase strength in our weakness. Paul put it this way. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's power shines through brightest in our weakness. Max Lucado, in his book, The Grip of Grace, is discussing Jacob's limp. Remember, God, Jacob wrestled with God, and God did something to his hip, and so he walked with a limp. Lucado says, God would rather have us limp in humility than to strut in pride. I'm convinced that God's not now answers to my prayers for my heart were frustrated were frustrating, but I'm amazed. I am amazed at what he's done through my weakness. And because it was through my weakness, he has gotten the glory and not me. I believe God knew that without the thorn, I would have been tempted to grab much more glory for myself and less for him. But from his awful grace, I've learned. I've learned patience. I should say I'm still learning patience. I've learned compassion. I've learned perseverance. And I've increased my understanding of the side effects of heart difficulties and heart medications, which has led to all kinds of ministry. 
I love how Dr. Robert Smith put it in one of his sermons. God often gives us these stakes and spears in our flesh, hindrances so that they might turn into helps, intrusions so they might become invitations, obstacles so they can be transformed into opportunities, and problems can be recycled into possibilities. If we want to go into the throne room, we must first go into the thorn room. For that's where Jesus went. There he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed three times, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And God's no was louder than his yes. Paul complained of a thorn, but his Lord wore a crown of thorns. Someone has put it aptly this way. Outward circumstances pull us down, but inward grace rockets us skyward. Thorns provide an opportunity for God to increase strength in our weakness. In fact, in Revelation 13, Jesus makes an interesting statement. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Revelation 3.19. It was that verse that inspired Joseph Carl to write, God takes the most eminent and choicest of his servants for the choicest and most eminent afflictions. They who have received most grace from God are able to bear most afflictions from God. Affliction does not hit the saint by chance, but by direction. God does not draw his bow at a venture. Every one of his arrows goes upon a special errand and touches no breast but his against whom it is sent. It is not only the grace, but the glory of a believer when we can stand and take affliction quietly. Indeed, thorns give an opportunity to increase strength in our weakness. There's a third purpose of thorns. They increase the magnitude of our witness. They give us greater witness than we could ever have had without it. Continuing in verse 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. When I served at Hope Church in South Haven, we had a Wednesday evening program called God's Kids, and one of the directors we had would, on occasion on Wednesday nights, invite in a particular artist. Each of the children would then be asked to draw whatever squiggly, up, squiggly lines they wanted to on a piece of paper. The artist would then go to each piece of paper and use those squiggly lines to draw a beautiful picture. And part of the lesson underneath all of that was to teach them that God can take our tough times, God can take the squiggly lines of our lives, and out of it draw something far more beautiful than we could ever do without the squiggly lines. He increases the magnitude of our witness. During World War II, a farmer in England sent a very small contribution to his church, much smaller than usual. He, he explained that his harvest was, dis, was disappointing due to a lack of a water source for his field. And he said, while you're at it, please pray that no German bomb will, will drop on my farm. Shortly thereafter, a German bomb dropped on his farm. 
No one was injured or killed, but in fact, a whole new spring of water was broken open that not only nourished his field, but provided irrigation for all the farms nearby. The next year's harvest was so large, he gave an unusually large gift to his church. God's no to the church's prayer increased God's glory. Now I need to confess. It has been very easy for me over the years to wonder and ask, why? Or to think about myself in relationship to someone else and say to God, why not? And yet, I've been a slow learner. I've learned so slowly. But I'm beginning to understand that in the words of Roger Barrier, there's a time to stop window shopping and comparing our situations with others. In fact, he puts it this way. Stop window shopping for somebody else's life and live with what you have. The real test is not what you could do with somebody else's life or circumstances or health. The real test is what you do with what you've got. And in Jesus Christ, we have a lot. How are you using your thorns? Is Jesus shining even more brightly? Jesus can shine more brightly through our thorns. He can increase the magnitude of our witness. And fourthly, we discover thorns can increase our Christ-likeness. Thorns can transform us. Verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Before the advance of digital photography, pictures had to be developed in a dark room. And the photographer would take and, and drop those pictures in, in acid, but rather than the acid burning it away, the acid was able to take and enhance the picture and make it become that which had appeared before the lens of the camera. So the thorns in our lives enhance and fully develop us. The thorns are, are like the acid that fully form us to be what God saw when He first created us. That's why Paul could write to the church at Rome, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Elsewhere, he wrote, we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Because, Jesus thorn, because Paul's thorn was transformed, he became a witness. Because Jesus' crown of thorns was transformed to an eternal crown, we can be transformed through our thorns and become more like him. So here's the bottom line for each of us. How will we handle the thorns in our lives? We really have only two choices. One is you can abandon faith in God. And he knows 
I've seen so many people do that. Eventually they become miserable. They live with unending grief, bitterness. Often end up on painkillers, legal and illegal. They grow into eternal pessimists who can never, ever share anyone else's joys, let alone no joy themselves. But it's a choice. Or you can cling to Jesus. It's beautiful songs we sang, many ways to set up this thought. You can cling to Jesus. And instead of wondering, why did this happen to me? Perhaps we need to wonder, what did I do to deserve this honor? Rather than think, what a burden for me to bear, maybe we need to think, what an opportunity for me to magnify Jesus. A pilot named Henry Dempsey, Portland, Maine, was flying a commuter plane and he he heard a strange noise in the rear of the aircraft. So he told the co-pilot to take over and Henry walked towards the back of the plane and he happened to be leaning against the door of the plane and he hit some turbulence and the door suddenly flew open and he fell out of the door and fortunately he was able to grab the, the last rung on the stairway of the stairs that would lead into the plane and there he was hanging upside down 190 miles an hour, 4,000 feet in the air, wind almost blowing the skin off his face. Somehow, he managed to keep holding on. The plane made an emergency landing, and Dempsey's face was simply one foot above the concrete of the runway. An airline spokesperson said his hands were so firmly gripped on the rungs of the ladder, they literally had to be pried off the rungs. That's a mighty firm grip. Next morning, Dempsey woke up and he said, I was thrilled to see the sunshine. Are you willing to so cling to Jesus and his awful grace in your life? Those who do will land safely and love the sunlight. Someone put it this way. The most deeply taught Christians are generally those who've been brought into the searching fires of deep soul anguish. Here's the point. If you have been praying to know more of Christ, do not be surprised if he takes you aside into a desert place or leads you into a furnace of pain. So I ask you, do you really want to know more of Christ? Beware of where he may lead you. And he'll do it because thorns increase our love for God and his grace. Increase strength in our weakness. Increase the magnitude of our witness. And increase our Christ-likeness. We've already sung, I surrender all. Let's make this morning an opportunity to come to Jesus Let's follow the invitation given through the prophet Isaiah, the 40th chapter. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, those who cling to Him, will find new strength. 
They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In our rest, in our clinging, and in our waiting, we discover God's amazing and sometimes awful grace. Let's rest now in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, it is so easy for us to become discouraged, to give in to our fears, It's so easy for us to think we're being treated unfairly. Lord God, we pray that we might come to know you more. And Lord, if that means the thorns will be sharp and persistent, help us to say, so be it. May your grace transform us, strengthen us, that we might be like you. Thank you for wearing your thorns on your head. Thank you for carrying the cross upon which we should have died. Lord God, in the midst of our thorns, May we experience your peace and deepen our faith. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.